Welcome to You're the Boss, a mantra for anyone who's ever had to face their own fears, struggles, and even failures. Join host Larry Roberts for a deep dive into overcoming limiting beliefs and identifying where our pasts can shape us rather than define us to build a lifestyle and business filled with passion and purposeful leadership. You're the Boss will bring you proven techniques and mind shifts to help you achieve your goals and build your best life. Now your host, Larry Roberts. You know, we spend so much time building our businesses and investing in our businesses that sometimes we overlook the very thing that allows us to do that. And we may want to step back and start maybe investing in our bodies a little bit more. So our guest today developed an interest in the life sciences when his mother was diagnosed with osteoporosis. With a desire to help his mother avoid the side effect inducing medications designed to treat the disease, he began his research. As he progressed through his research, he realized that it was really a dysfunction of disuse. And a lot of what are called diseases of aging are really just that. They're diseases of not doing what you need to do to stay alive. Things like exercise, moving around, keeping a decent heart rate, good blood flow, and good airflow. All these diseases of aging really don't have much to do with aging. It just has to do with disuse. With that, he set out on a mission to find a group of people who are outliers, who were able to build bone density higher than anyone else, maybe even superhuman bone. He went and identified this audience immediately. It was gymnasts. It's because of the rate at which they hit the ground, they sometimes get 10 times their body weight loaded through their hip joints and their lower extremities. He then built a device that emulates high impact, and in that emulation of high impact induces a change in bone density. Eventually, Dr. Jaquish created a set of medical devices that compressed bone, and now there are 130 clinics around the world that are just for this. It's called OsteoStrong, and they are in eight different countries. Dr. John Jaquish. Larry, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I bet you thought that intro was never going to end. <laughs> <laughs> No, I um, I I I've only done so much. So I'm so pretty young guy. So I, I I knew I knew you'd run out of you know stuff to talk about. <laughs> so tell me more about you, man. What obviously you got started because your mother was diagnosed with the debilitating disease, and I mean you've managed to reverse it. Tell me a little bit about that. So um, it, it was really more like a like a bizarre homework assignment from like, you know, the third grade, come up with a new idea, how to fix a problem that everybody's had for a long time. Now she looked at the side effects of the medications for osteoporosis and uh, she didn't like the way they look. Uh, it turns out since then, there's been a lot of studies that show that the side effects are a lot more brutal than they first thought. And the intended effects are not, really there. So like, for example, the test, the DEXA scan, it's a dual x-ray that looks at the health of bone. Those medications make the test come out better, but they don't actually make your bones stronger or stronger to the same degree that the medical imaging would have promised. So uh, it really is like you're keeping older, less useful bone mass and you're building less of the more powerful newer bone. 
with a, a lot of those medications. So like all that stuff was kind of coming out at the same time. And my mom read about it and she said, I don't, don't want to do this. And I read about it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want you to do it either. But she thought she had sort of lost her independence because a fragility fracture after the age of 50, 50, that's still pretty young. Yeah. Fragility yeah. fracture after the age of 50, you have a 50% chance of death within one year based on a complication. Wow. Cause I mean, a hip fracture, you're, you're not, you're not just healing from that, you know, in a couple of days. Right. Like right. You go to the hospital pins and screws. Usually uh, some people can't recover from the surgery because they're in poor health. Uh, some people can't uh, sometimes there's complications in surgery, there's some pinched nerves or something like that. Sometimes they get pneumonia because they've been just in bed for so long. Sure. Like, let me, let me jump in there real quick because you, yeah. you kind of got me a little scared. I got to be honest with you. You said a fragility fracture after the age of 50. Hey, brother, I'm 49. So yeah. you talk about if I, if, if I snap a bone in a year, I've, I, I'm, I'm in, a, in a danger zone there? That's right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's much more uncommon for men than women. Typically one in five men, but three in five women have these issues. Wow. Yeah. Better off, you know, just, just cause you're statistically you're a guy, but don't worry. There's still, still a testicular cancer and all other things that uh, you know, only, only men has. Uh, don't worry. You're not left out of the uh, <laughs> uh, mortality uh, scores here. So what, what, what I looked at was like, okay, how do we build bone density in the first place? So I completely took a different approach. Uh, in fact, my PhD advisor told me, if you had invented this thing or if you would want to invent this thing after you got your PhD. So I, I invented it and then I went and got my PhD. Okay. Uh, and so he, he said, if you had invented this thing after doing your PhD, you would have actually thrown the whole thing in the trash because it's so different. And in one of the problems with standard education, it's funny, you know, I have, I have three degrees and I don't really believe in standard education. Because standard education teaches you this is the way it is. But entrepreneurship is the opposite of that. It's finding sure. a different and maybe a more efficient way, maybe an easier way, maybe a quicker way, maybe a way that's five times as hard, but it only takes you one fifth the amount of time. So, you know, that that's, would seem like a benefit to most people. So, like, like, I met a lot of resistance, as anyone does who's an industry disruptor. Like industries don't like change because change means somebody's making less money and other people are making more money. Usually people making more money are the newcomers in the industry. So when I first introduced this, there was some disturbance. Like, like I, I met with, um, I, had, I had lunch once with the, the vice, one of the vice presidents of Eli Lilly. And he goes, I think your thing is cool. And I was like, wow, I really expected you to like, you know, like try to throw me off the bridge or something like that. And he goes, no, he goes, but I tell you what, all of our patents are running out on our drugs. So good luck. Like it was a wide open yeah. uh, opportunity. So yeah, most of the uh, drugs are off patent now and they're, and they're cheaper, but it's funny. They're not being prescribed that much anymore. Because they're not being because of the side effects and people not wanting to go through the same. I mean, the same scenario your mom was dealing with, not wanting to go yeah, through it as well. Yeah, just uh, people read about it and they're like, "Well, is there is there an alternate way?" And then they read about Austin Strong, and this is, this is how Austin Strong gets clients. So, 
tell me more about OsteoStrong. And uh, this isn't some fly-by-night invention that no, you came uh, up with. It's not like the bathroom gutty that uh, the dad from Gremlins came up with back in the day. This is a real, It's it's been adopted by some massive, massive influencers, massive, massive athletes, professional athletes, the NFL, uh, the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Right. So, uh, yeah, the NFL is, is really interested in my strength products, uh, mostly because it allows them to train with much heavier weight without the risk of injury. So similar logic. So okay. with, with bone density, uh, it, it, I didn't really need to get the buy-in of athletes. And in fact, from, from a bone density perspective, having athletes involved, they're, they're not really involved in it, but having athletes involved hurts the business because if a postmenopausal person sees an NFL player is doing something, they think it's not for them. Yeah. It makes sense. So it's actually like, like when, when athletes come and want to improve their bone density, they usually don't need to, they usually have the, you know, the highest your bone density can get is a little over two standard deviations. As far as I've seen, there's no study that determines that, but I, I'm at about two and a half standard deviations above normal. And so are most um, impact athletes, athletes that hit each other or hit the ground, gym mm-hmm. fighters, NFL. And so like, there's just a, only a certain amount. It's like, you know, muscles can only get so big, right? No, nobody has quadricep muscles that are, you know, twice the size of their waist. Sure. Even the drug guys, they can't even do that. So uh, <laughs> they're trying, but I mean, as ridiculous as they look, they, they, they'll never get there. So, so going through that experience, it was amazing how easy it was speaking to physicians and getting physicians to buy in because they told me what, at first I told them my theory and they're like, okay, well, here's the kind of evidence we would need to see that. Here's the kind of studies we would need. And I'm like, well, okay. Some of the studies you're describing are like tens of millions of dollars. Some of the other ones are pretty simple. And so I got some of the more simple ones done. And uh, once you show a physician the evidence or enough evidence where they're willing to try it. Now, because this is what's called a physical medicine intervention. Now, like, you know how um, you read like in Forbes magazine or Entrepreneur magazine, uh, overnight success? You, know, oh, you, yeah. hear, you hear that term? All <laughs> yeah. Every overnight success takes 10 years. So and it took me about 10 years to get enough physicians so that they start talking to each other. So like I'd be in an airport and somebody would walk up to me and be like, are you Dr. Jaquish? Yeah. Oh, I read your book and uh, I prescribed osteogenic loading. That's the name of the therapy to my patients. Wow. That's super. Like it, it took about 10 years before that to start happening. Before that started happening. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But it, it happens. My next invention, which I'm much more known for, uh, even though they're sort of like equal size technologies influence around the world, is called X3. That okay. one is to influence the size, strength of muscle. And of course, the larger muscles become, your body fat percentage goes down, uh, and you you end up uh, you end up just just in much better shape. Now. I made this discovery, which basically like, like when I looked at human biomechanics and capability of the way the osteoporosis device works, when you're almost at full extension of one of your extremities. So like, you know, the upper arm 
120 degree angle. So not full extension, but close. That's how you would absorb or create the greatest amount of force. And so this, and this is how the bone density device worked by, by using computer analysis to look at the loading events that happened right there in those positions. So I thought, okay, when I look at these loads and, and like even, even the, the, Help, help the listener, help the average listener understand what you mean by loads. I, I, I'm following what you're saying, but I want to make sure that they understand that maybe they don't understand what a load is as far as loading the muscle yeah. or loading the, the joints. Going, the force going into the body. The okay. force have influence on bone tissue and or muscular tissue as the case may be, depending on which technology you're talking about. But I saw people using seven, eight, nine times their body weight in the lower extremities in those very specific impact rating positions who had never worked out a day in their life. Within six months, they were using tremendous forces. Like, I mean, the curve of power they were creating was like a sliding straight up. It was how everybody's bank account wishes they looked and doesn't. (laughs) Uh, You know what I mean? I mean, just, just, I mean, going straight up. So these people, like they'd never worked out. I'm looking at these high forces and compared to what people lift, they were using seven times the amount of force on average. And so I made the realization we have a seven fold difference from impact ready range. This is the only science I'm going to throw at you here today. Okay. Seven fold difference between where you're, where you absorb impact and your weaker range of motion. So like when you do a push up, like when your nose is against the ground, like mm-hmm. contrast 120 degree angle, I just described. So you're very weak and then incredibly strong, but we pick a number when we go to lift weights that's just sort of near the low middle. And we basically overload joints and injure joints. And then when we're in our stronger positions, we're hardly using the muscle at all. We're wow. using just a fraction of what the muscle is capable of. So weightlifting is great for creating injury and it's terrible for stimulating muscle growth. <laughs> like, I mean, why I call my book weightlifting is a waste of time. It's worse than a waste of time. Now, when I saw that, I was like, this is, I want this guy on the show. Cause I agree. Right. Maybe well, for different also, reasons, maybe for different reasons. From an, well, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I had the evidence. I was the only one in the world that had this evidence, just how backwards weightlifting was. And we're, you know, we're out there telling everybody to do it. And then probably the most important point, and it's difficult to quantify this statement, but I, I did a pretty good job in the book, I think. Uh, at least that's what a lot of doctors have told me who, who read the book and researchers. I say that fitness is the most failed human endeavor. Mm. If you think about how many people that you know, and, and for any entrepreneur thinking about a market that they're going to enter, look for shit like this. Let's look at fitness. Probably close to 100%. Maybe it's 99.9, depending on how you define what fit is. And sure. people have a different definition. But let's say low percentage body fat, high level of strength. Who's really fit? Maybe one tenth of 1% of the people who walk into a gym. Maybe. Like yeah. if, you, if you go walk into a planet of fitness and look around, that's the regular. I'm not talking about Venice Beach, you know, uh, Gold's Gym. You know, like, obviously, that's where the strongest guys in the world train. Right. And that's one gym, by the way. That's not all gold gyms. That's just one. 
you go into an average gym and the people that are in there don't look any different than the people in the pizza hut. And, and I bet, you know, 10 people, I bet, you know, 10 people that have been going and exercising on a regular basis for more than two years and they don't look one bit different. Oh, yeah. am I right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Almost everyone, you know, who's like all about fitness, they don't even look like they work out at all. Mm -mm. No. So, so when I challenge the sort of the way things are done in fitness or just the orthodox fitness approach, people are all offended. Well, you know, tell that to Arnold. Yeah. Arnold was one guy and you don't look like Arnold. <laughs> you don't look anything like Arnold. You don't have those genetics. Uh, you don't even look yeah. like you're the same species as Arnold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most people who say that look like their, their parent might've been a couch. You know what I mean? I mean, like these are just like they're they're regular people, and I, I'm not I'm not you know, I'm not making fun of obese people because almost everybody's overweight and obese. Like seventy percent of this country, seventy percent of the United States is either overweight or obese. Yeah, yeah. Right. And we got fifty percent either working out at home or going to a gym. So is it working? And not for most people, no, because they, they pretty they, obvious. Yeah, a they don't know what they're doing. A they want to believe they know what they're doing. B they're watching everybody else do the exact same thing, and they're thinking they get different results right. doing the exact same total, thing everybody else is doing. Total lemming attitude. Yeah, yeah. Just do what the guy is doing, you know, next to me. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's an approach. It's not one that'll work, but that that is an approach. So identifying a market where you can come in and completely dominate it. And I got my, my product, it's the cheapest home gym that you can ever get, it's 550 bucks. Most home gyms, I mean, I'm not talking about bullshit exercise like the perfect push-up. Like people buy, there's a, there is a big market for like what I would call fake fitness, which is really, and this is a big market. It's for people who wanna say they work out at home. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's why somebody buys like, you know, the perfect pushup. They're like, oh, yeah, I work out. Like, no, you don't. You, you bought the perfect pushup so you can say that, but you haven't touched it since the day you got it. Also, it doesn't work. I mean, just twisting your hands while you do a pushup, that makes it. When the twist hits those muscles, we don't use it. It's those supporting ligaments and those supporting muscles that it tweaks, right? It was, um, it was sarcasm. And, and a it joke. actually just, it, it makes your wrist unstable. So <laughs> all muscle in the body fires less. Because it's, it's a high amount of instability. I mean, when you push something, your wrist is not supposed to rotate. Yeah, no. When you pull something, maybe, you know, you grab onto like, uh, you know, you throw a towel under a, you know, a bowling ball or something. Is your wrist going to twist? Maybe. That's, that's okay. You know, that, 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 that is normal for pulling. It is not normal for pushing. Yeah, but, I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is dumb. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's designed for a market of guys who don't plan on doing anything. They just want to say they do something. So that's not the market. So if you're serious about fitness, you can buy a $5,000 power rack and weights and, you know, park your car outside forever because you just lost your garage because you got your big rack in there. And I mean, that's one approach, but like what I developed is one tenth of the price of a regular home gym and it'll work so much better. Like I've not used anything other than my product. And the same thing with the 40 athletes that are shown on the website. And there's about 19 NFL players out of those 40 people. Also the Miami heat, they even endorsed the book. They put the endorsement right on the back. Nice. Forrest Griffin wrote the forward. Yeah. My man, Forrest. 
Yep. Ultimate yeah, fighter. Yeah. You know, for us. And uh, yeah, and it's a Wall Street Journal uh, bestseller, which is nice. actually the only bestseller list that means anything because the New York Times bestselling list has nothing to do with sales. Did you know this? Oh, I know you can buy your way onto it if you want to. It, 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 it's handpicked by the staff of the New York Times. So like basically like my publisher, I was like, well, how do we get on the, uh, the New York Times bestseller list? And he's like, you don't want that. It has nothing to do with sales. Like, and he goes, by the way, like you're a white straight male. Like you will not get it. Like right now, and, I mean, this is just what my publisher said. Right now, no white straight male is ever going to get on that list for, for the foreseeable future. So just, you know, like if your book were about, you know, something having to do with gender or race or something really uh, controversial there, and you were not a white straight male, maybe, but like, that's, that's just all that's on the list right now. And yeah. so it's like, okay, so, so it's political, it's, it's handpicked and it has nothing to do with actual success. Wall Street Journal actually has to do with sales. Um, so it's the only one that means anything anymore. Uh, maybe the USA Today one also, because that has to do with sales. Yeah. But they yeah. look, they cut it a little differently. So, so anyway, uh, yeah, like, like everything went great with the development of the product, um, with the way we market it. Now, here's another thing, which will be interesting for your listeners. First, I went after a fitness market and people told me not to do this. People told me like, you, you have a scientific argument that you're trying to make to a fitness crowd. The fitness crowd is like the stupidest people. And I won't say who told me this, but a lot of industry leaders told me that you don't, you don't have any idea. Like you cannot appreciate how dumb the fitness market is. And I was like, I, I, I have trouble believing that everyone is that stupid. Now, of course, everyone isn't that stupid, but right, right. I immediately had to pivot because they were right. The vast majority of people who we were showing ads to it wasn't that they refused to question what they were doing. It's that they lacked basic intelligence. They, they could not understand a new concept, but um, through like some, some of the things uh, Jordan Peterson has said, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Peterson. Oh yeah. Yeah. He says like only a very small portion of the population is able to understand a new concept. Everybody else just follows. So like, like the world said the iPhone, for example, was stupid because it didn't have keyboard. Right. Right. Just like it was, it's going to fail. There was only one tech reviewer. The guy's name was Walter Mossberg. Uh, he, he was with the Wall Street Journal. Funny how smart people tend to go to that. That's brand. weird. Uh, yeah, weird. So Mossberg was like, don't judge this too quickly. You might not know everything you think you know about touchscreens. Because remember when touchscreens used to be like loose pieces of plastic? Yeah, they sat on top of the device and it, yeah, it felt like it was going to fall apart and it was real squishy. Yeah, and yeah. It, was, it was a membrane that you could yeah. feel was like kind of sloppy and depressed. And he just said like, like there's, there's no plastic here, it's glass. Like this is going to be a very different experience. Don't think you know what the experience is going to be. And that's really all he said. And he said, I predict this is going to be a huge success for Apple and probably one of the biggest ones. The guy retired since then, but like he was the only one, only guy who saw it. Yeah. And, and so ever since then, and I remembered I was one of the people who really liked the idea of a higher quality touchscreen. 
because when the whole phone is a potentially a, a keyboard or an input instrument, you can do a lot more than if you have hard buttons on it. And uh, so I was, I was excited about it. And, uh, and I, I had like the first iPhone. There wasn't even a line for that one because nobody wanted it. <laughs> like the, the first iPhone, like, like, you know, like people at the Apple store were like, really, you really want one. Okay. Thanks for coming in. <laughs> like it was weird. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. So I, um, I, I, I really saw like a lot of paradigm breaking parallels and oh, here I, I was talking about my pivot. This is important. Yeah. Immediately we switched to targeting busy professions because they're smarter people because they'll actually read the science and go, Oh, like this is obvious. Like weightlifting is a waste of time because like anybody who's read this completely changes their training and they follow, you know, like, like they get what, what, what I, what I invented. And it's super simple. Like strength training doesn't need to be that complicated. Another thing I, I see is like, even some of the people who know a little bit more uh, about strength training, variable resistance, and that, that's the huge push of what, how the product works and why it works. You change the resistance as you move. So like when I chest press, I hold hundred pounds right on my chest. But as soon as I break away, it goes to 200 and 300 pounds at maybe the middle. And then I'm pushing 550 pounds when my arms are just about extended. You never go to full extension. So I get the benefit of that 550, maybe 20 repetitions. And then I can't get there anymore. And then I do half repetitions because I can't, can't even do a full one. So I'm doing 300 pound repetitions multiple times. So I can't do that. Then I'm doing 100 pound repetitions with just an inch of movement. So I've completely exhausted the muscle in one experience without letting blood in, which amplifies, I said, I wouldn't get scientific. It amplifies <laughs> hypoxia, which is, sorry. Yeah. Sometimes I can't, I can't avoid it. It amplifies hypoxia, which uh, down regulates myostatin, which is a protein that limits your muscle growth. So you're actually changing your genetic potential as you're doing this and people grow. Uh, I've seen multiple people put on 20 pounds of muscle in six months. Wow. And of course, their body fat is dropping like a rock because their metabolism is working uh, with so much great efficiency to service muscle that as long as they're getting the right amount of protein, they're gaining muscle and they're just dropping body fat super quick. Wow. Yeah, yeah it works really well. But pivoting to the, to the busy professional, this is someone who would actually take the time to read the book or, or even read what's on the website. Yeah, it's it's interesting because so many of it. I mean, it's interesting that that the fitness industry doesn't jump on that. But me as an individual, I've experienced it myself. You know, back in the day, sitting here looking at me right now, I'm a little more plump than I was at one time. But I used to compete at 155 pounds, and I'm six foot three, so my struggle was always putting on weight. And I had personal trainers, I had strength and conditioning coaches. No one could put anything on me. Then, of course, later in life, I ended up becoming an alcoholic, got sober, but in the process, got super, super fat, too. And now I'm down, I think, 69 pounds as of this week from year to date. So I'm on my way back down to a, a respectable weight once again. But it's interesting because you see all of these traditional methodologies being applied, and especially for someone like myself, it just didn't work. I wish at the time when I was trying to put on mass and trying to get yeah. stronger 
something like this would have been in place. When, when did you invent this? What was the year? Oh, it was three years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So in September, three years ago on the Dave Asprey podcast. Oh, wow. It was like the soft launch. Dave's a friend of mine. Okay. That's why. Okay. That's cool. Like, he got, he got the, uh, one of the first prototypes. Very cool. And yeah. 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 He's been, uh, he's been a big fan and, and uh, he's a great entrepreneur too. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. He's super. So I, in fact, I, last week I just did my second podcast. With him. Okay. So it was like three years later, I got to update everybody on what's happened in the last three years. And of course the product is just blown. Yeah. Up. yeah I mean, you, you've exploded and that's pretty amazing. That's a heck of a journey over just three years to get to where you're at today. H- help yeah. us understand how, how it all started getting traction. I mean, I know you said you, you pivoted and you switched to busy professionals when you're running your ad campaigns, but there had to be more to it than that. So when did you really start finding the traction over the last three years? And what do you think was the catalyst to get that movement? A little bit of it was, was just like a strategic. So the AB testing and the ads was big. How can we find out more about the product? How can we get a copy of your book? How can we look at the science for ourselves and determine, you know, what are the next steps we need to take? Well, anybody who wants to make a scientific argument around a product or service, read the book. Like I, I, I have, uh, basically I wrote the book to explain the rationale. So like I'm highly criticized. And by the way, don't be afraid of criticism. That's like the thing that I find most entrepreneurs are crippled by is like, well, what if people say this or what if people say that? First of all, somebody will bitch about anything you can imagine. Yeah. Like you're going to get, if you're successful, you're going to get haters. In fact, if you don't have haters, it probably means nobody's buying your yeah, shit. Yeah, you're not there yet. Yeah, you hadn't made it yeah. yet. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So like I get an incredible amount of haters that say that my book is an advertisement. For the product. Well, no, I mean, it's the rationale as to why it was created. Also, it proves that this method is far superior. And most people, in fact, a quarter of the population can't grow muscle at all, no matter what they do in standard weights. And why is that? That, that interests me. It's interesting. That, that's an interesting statement because I've wondered this literally my entire life. Yeah. So a quarter of the population can't grow muscle. The rest of us have a very difficult time. And usually you, you'll see like, like a high school kid, they'll put on 10 pounds of muscle when they first start lifting. And then their body will never change again. They'll get fatter. Maybe they'll get leaner, but that'll be the only change forever. Like they'll never put on more muscle. And it all has to do with one genetic difference. And it's not a hormonal difference. Hormonally, we're all very similar. I mean, now if you eat, you know, Twinkies and pizza, hormonally, you'll be a disaster. Sure. But uh, you can fix that problem relatively easily. So what, what, I, what I point out in the book is that tendon layout is a really big deal. So like, for example, like if I look at my, my, pect- my pectoral inserts right here at the sternum and then right underneath the beginning of the bicep, right? Okay. Like, like at the top of my humerus bone. Some people have uh, a mutation which has the insertion on the other end of the humerus bone. So they have more leverage. Okay. And these are the people that end up in the NFL. 
These are the people who like, you probably went to high school with a guy who seemingly like, as soon as he started lifting weights or even mowing lawns over the summer, you know, like the dude would just draw muscle. Oh, I used to train with dudes like that all the time. And it was just, it it would piss me off. I mean, my guys I was training with were repping 405 on the reg and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tell you how much I was benching, but <laughs> it wasn't near 405, sure. I can tell you that. And it just blew my mind because I, I couldn't, why is this working out for them? It's not working out for me. I'm pouring money into yeah. trainers and coaches. Nothing's happening. And it was extremely right. frustrating. Right. So it has to do with having an advantageous versus disadvantageous tendon layout. That's it. That's the only difference. And so... What ends up happening is people get frustrated or, or they just go for years and years and years and, and they never change. Now, with the way the product is designed, variable resistance takes this advantage and completely throws it away. Because where you are weakest is offloaded. So you can fatigue it independently based on diminishing range repetitions. So your, your, your ladder repetitions are real short right right because weight goes up you know it becomes too hard because you've already gone to fatigue you can fatigue all ranges independently therefore this advantage is irrelevant and everybody can grow like a genetic outlier that's why it works wow that's amazing yeah 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 and i mean it is so simple you see it it is heavy latex banding it's a olympic bar with full rotation so you can keep your wrist neutral because the, pro- the problem like band training, I, I, I often wondered before, like when I started having putting these ideas together, why didn't band training ever take off? Because it's been sort of poised to do something for like 20 straight years and it's never really done. Anything. Yeah. It started off with and like the really, solo flex or something, didn't it? I mean, so wasn't that one of the first yeah. machines you saw come on the scene with it? That's not necessarily banned, but it's still the elasticity type training. Variables. Yeah. Right. right. So the problem with that is it like X at the bottom and 1.2 X at the top, whereas you really want X at the bottom and five X at the top. So it didn't deliver the right proportion, the right ratio of variance. That's one of the problems. The other problem is that if you train with just bands, your wrists and ankles, which are the contact point with any resistance, Mm -hmm. right? The ground or a bar. And usually exercises involve the ground and a bar. Nobody's floating in the air. You got to be on the ground. uh, And you're, you're grabbing onto something like, you know, in a squat, you're, you're, we have people do a front squat because stacking weight on the back of your neck is not something you normally do. Um, a lot of trainers have trouble understanding that you shouldn't stack things on the back of your neck. I, I, I don't know why the back squat became popular is like beyond me. But anyway, the, I like people just like, they like stop. They're like, their brain shuts down. Right. When I say that, and I'm like, but, like if you have a heavy suitcase in the airport, you ever see somebody like, Oh, wait, let me get this on my neck. Yeah, exactly. Never. No, never. Ever. Yet they go into the gym and they're like, let me put all, all the loading on my cervical vertebrae. Yeah, It always made sense to me. No, it never made sense to me ever. Right. But I just thought right. maybe I was, right. maybe I wasn't masculine enough. Maybe I just wasn't. It, here's here's the funny thing. You talk to a younger person, a person in their twenties, who's never been injured. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, that's bullshit. Like you got like back squat is every, 
just ask Ronnie Coleman or, you know, they, they mentioned somebody who, but by the way, Ronnie Coleman can't walk. Anymore oh, I know. Yeah. Watch the, what is, what is that documentary? Yeah. The King, Ronnie Coleman, the King on Netflix. Yeah. Check that out. Yeah. Just sad. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. It's terrible. Dude, dude is broken. He's ruined. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, he'll never, he'll never move with any sort of comfort ever for the rest of his life. No. But was he the greatest in the world? Yeah. For, for a years. while. Yeah. Lightweight, baby. It ain't so light now. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I distracted myself. I know you distracted me stuff. too. I was like, oh shit, you talk about Ronnie Cole, but lightweight yeah. baby, let's do yeah. it. <laughs> the way this works, it, it just makes so much more sense. Your body goes to a deeper level of fatigue. Like you're way more exhausted from this. Even and, and it's one set per exercise, by the way. So my workout only takes like 10 minutes, six days a week. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I split the body two ways and do 10 minutes a day. Uh, six days a week. And I put on 60 pounds of muscle after turning 40 years old. Wow. Like that's unheard Nobody puts on that kind of muscle. Wow. That's insane. 40. Yeah. I'm like a completely different guy. Like I went to a fraternity reunion recently and people were like, you know, kind of walking around me, looking at me and they're like, they recognize my face, but the rest of me is like, what the hell happened to you? Yeah. Like, Nobody goes through a transfer. Like you go through a fitness transformation when you're like 20 or maybe 30, not 40. So, you know, they saw me on my 40th birthday and I was kind of chubby and not muscular at all. I was uh, 190 pounds. I was like a fat 190 pound guy. And now I'm 240 with like veins showing in my ass. And they just look at me like, what the hell? Like they all, they're all con- consumed with the idea that I got taller also, which didn't, <laughs> but it's funny because the leaner you are, you kind of look taller. Yeah. 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 When you look yeah, dumpy, it, you look shorter. I mean, it's just... a lot of like illusions. Like people look at me and they're like, they're not exactly sure. Like everything's different, but they see differences that aren't really there. It's really kind of funny. Yeah. yeah it is. I mean, yeah. like I said, I've been experiencing that all year. I'm down 70 pounds yeah. on the year and just yeah, people say you're taller. Yeah, they go, dude. Are you tall? It looks like you shrunk for a while, yeah. but are you back up there now, or what's? Yeah. Are you standing up straighter? What's going on? Yeah, you, you get all kinds of crazy comments. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Don't get me wrong. You know. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the when you finally get a hold of your health, and I, I realize also that once you give somebody something, and I mean, like weightlifting and cardio are both a waste of time. In fact, cardio actually keeps you as fat as possible, as long as possible. Most people don't know that because of cortisol upregulation. So you upregulate your cortisol, cortisol like with, with, with chronic cardio, and it has to be chronic if you're going to get any effect out of it. Right. Get endurance out of your heart and you're training for endurance. Like if you want to run long distances, there's only one way to train for that. It's to run long distances. So people end up doing that and uh, they upregulate your cortisol. What does cortisol do? It gets rid of muscle, and it encourages the storage of body fat. Yeah, you don't, you don't see any massive long-distance runners. I mean, you, you look at these marathon runners. None of them are, are massive. You don't really see any lean ones either. <laughs> They're kind of skinny fat. Like, you see people who have lost their muscle mass, but they saw, like, it's, I mean, the females, it's easier to see because they wear short shorts. They got cellulite all over them. Yeah, yep. And they're marathon runners. And you're like, oh, I thought, like, the average person is like, oh, I thought, like, people who would run marathons would be a lot leaner. No. Sprinters are lean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Distance runners, not lean at all. They're skinny fat. Yeah. 
That's so funny. I haven't heard that term literally in years. That's too funny because yeah. I used to say that all the time. I because I, I got skinny fat. I was still skinny at the time, but had no definition after I quit training for a while. But I still maintained that that lighter weight uh, until mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I said, I got sober and changed my my alcohol intake, the sugar intake, and the medications that I was on, and all mm-hmm. that garbage, and blew up like a freaking blimp. Uh, then yeah. shed all that, changed the diet, got off all the medication, started focusing in. Now I got to tell you though, I've been hitting the old rogue echo bike. That's uh, I bought that the first of the year and I hit my rogue echo uh, about five times a week, along with a massive diet change. And these are the results that I'm getting. Now, out of that. So, how are you using it? Are you using it like explosively for a brief period of time and then cooling down? Generally, just, I'm, I'm only going about 15 minutes uh, and it's, okay. it's just a straight 15 Good. minute gig. You know, but the echo's got the minutes. arms and all that fun shit too. So twenty minutes is the threshold okay. for doing a consistently higher heart rate. If you go twenty minutes, you, that's when you really start to upregulate cortisol. Okay, so okay. keep it under twenty minutes. So Thanks. what what you're saying, yeah. and that's probably why it's working. If it's cutting weight off you, if you decide to do a half an hour a day, your results would disappear. Wow. So it's the opposite of what you think. More is not better. Yeah. Yeah. And like I say, I, th- no. I, I, I attribute most of what I've experienced this year to diet. It's diet and, the, and getting rid of the bullshit medication sure. that I was on as well. Uh, but yeah. most of it's diet. It's changed significantly, uh, lowered my overall yeah. caloric intake and, and uh, just changed my entire perspective on eating and, uh, it's, yeah. it's working out. So what was the biggest you got? Uh, 326. Yeah. 326. And I look at those pictures, I go, who the heck is that guy? Uh, people that get, like you know that level of overweight they're usually medicating something with food yeah yeah and and for you it was probably like just staying away from alcohol yeah it was just like well i'll have some potato chips i won't think about drinking if i'm eating potato chips it was when i came out of rehab i didn't want savory food anything savory made me feel nauseous everything had to be sweet and man, I just uh, sweet, sweet, sweet. And it took, you know, I'm going on seven years now, uh, since I came out of rehab and been sober, but it took years and years, like three to four years before savory even started appealing to me at all. And now wow. I've managed to transition back to where sweet, I was never a big sweet eater prior to that ever in my entire life. I mean, of course I'd enjoy mm-hmm. a, a sweet, whatever, cause I never really watched a whole lot, but I just was not a sweet eater. But after getting sober for those three to four years, sweet, sweet, sweet. Now I'm back to where sweets don't do anything for me at all. I don't even want them. So it's, yeah. it's, it's like I've, I've started to regulate again. You know, it's so funny because people don't realize all the bullshit that comes along with that whole alcoholism and even getting sober thing. They think, oh, you're sober now. Everything's great. And, man, you do so much damage over the years, and your body takes so long to recover. But and yeah. I'm I'm just now getting back to where I feel like me again. You know, at 49, <laughs> I've got more energy than I had at 39. And well, at 39, yeah. I was a freaking alcoholic, so that, that was a lot to do with it. But I feel as good as what I remember feeling like in my late 20s. That's how I feel. I mean, it's like I I, I want to get back on the mat. You know, I want to go roll with the guys a little bit. You know, <laughs> I really won't because I don't want to break anything. You know, after 50, you're in trouble. But, but the desires there, I got that, I got that, 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 that thought process going, man, I'm ready to scrap again, even though I, you know, I know I never will, but it's just a lot of fun regardless. So tell us once again, man, where can we find the book? 
Where can we find out more about you? Oh, right. And where can we find uh, the the X three? Is that the X three? Is yeah. right. So I, I, it's it's funny. I my my last name. A lot of people have trouble with. So uh, I used to give like my Instagram handle, but I create a landing page that solves all problems. It's drj.com, D-O-C-T-O-R, the letter J.com. Uh, you can find my Instagram, YouTube, uh, Facebook. You can find links to the book uh, on Amazon. You can find a link to like, Superior Exercise. I'll take it X3, Superior Nutrition. We'll get you to my uh, nutrition approach. I have a very efficient protein that's uh, vegan friendly. If someone chooses to be vegan, though, I discourage that. No, it's not a good health choice. But if somebody wants to do it, I'll help them. It's all there. Now, if somebody wants to follow me, I suggest following me on Instagram because that's where I put the most content. Cool. Cool deal. Yeah. It's drj.com, D-O-C-T-O-R, the letter J.com. And you know, it's interesting that that's even available, that you got that URL, and, you know, it's not the basketball player of old. So that's that's interesting. Well, well Julius Irving has been fishing for a couple of years, so I don't think he needed it. <laughs> that's cool, man. Well, Dr. J, thank you so much for your time, man. This has been a really insightful conversation. Uh, I appreciate everything that you brought to the table. Awesome. I enjoyed every minute of it. Thank you so very, very much. And everybody. You've just listened to You're the Boss with Larry Roberts. Join us for our next episode where we help you succeed and live your best life ever. Subscribe, connect, and share.